Hello and welcome to podcast number six from the auditorium. I'm your host, Dr. David Bramwell, and your co-host for today's podcast is... isn't here. Is here now and is playing what looks like a really annoying game on his oh. phone. Oh, oh, Dave. Uh, sorry, 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 yes, uh, where, where were we? Yeah. What is that? That was a uh, Nyan Cat Lost in Space, one of the finest. N- uh, what, the what, Nyan Cat? Nyan Cat. Uh, anyone who owns a child will be aware of Nyan Cat's work. Uh, his main mission is to drive parents to distraction with that tune that you just heard. <laughs> or co-hosts on a podcast. Yes, yes, okay, all right, yes, that's true, that's true. But it's a good example of the power of games, though, the, the, the mimic power of games. On a similar level, I tried to buy a Rubik's Snake the other day, and, um, yes. and they, they, they go for over £12 now, an original from the 80s. Do you remember oh, really? the Rubik's Snake? Yes, I do, I remember being bored by those. They were tedious, weren't, weren't they? They, they yes. were. Everything that came out after the Rubik's Cube was rubbish. I didn't even like the Rubik's Cube. I never, I never actually worked it out. Me I neither, it just <laughs> proved I was stupid. Oh, me I too. It. I was the only kid at school who just was still fumbling with it years later. There were kids who could barely talk, and it was done. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had to smash it apart and put it back together in the end. That's how I dealt with it. <laughs> you could actually pull, you could pull them yeah, out, couldn't you? And actually right. place them back. Uh, and it, not that I did that. Or take the stickers so, off. So I'm um, curious that we're talking about games because um, it's it handy, it? really, because Amazing. because our our talk today is um, is all about games. Which it's about board games, and it's about um, it's about men. In fact, it's called Men and Games. I think is the is the title of the talk and it's been given by a chap called henry ward who is by coincidence the the brother of of one of our other guests from uh, a number of podcasts ago back in just, the past just uh, full of coincidences it this is book, yeah, yeah it's, it's not nepotistic this podcast <laughs> oh no uh this is uh, yeah henry is the brother of uh, of george egg ah. um uh, which made me wonder whether um egg was wasn't actually george's Real, real name. surname, but yeah. actually whether it was Ward. I don't know. Uh, anyway, and, and changing their name—that's ridiculous. And this was recorded at the Catalyst Club, which is a night that uh, that, that I run. It has nothing to do with with, with you, David, is it? The Catalyst. Uh, no, 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 not not really. No, no. no, no sometimes no. I, I show up late and try you, and get him free. You you do you do, but um, just so listeners know, it's this it, the Catalyst is uh, it's it's my thing. Um, <laughs> it's not it's not Dave's thing, and uh, no, I don't and, want it. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> I think what I should say is a slow burner. Give it time. It yeah. is. It is. Uh, and especially wait around for the Q&A at the end where it gets really interesting. I'll yeah, say. I think this is a cracking talk. In the, in, the, uh, in the speak of clickbait, uh, number seven will blow your mind. Yeah. Well, here he is, Henry Ward on uh, Board Games and Men. Men and women are different. And that's, that's a generalisation. <laughs> I'm assuming we all agree. There are some obvious differences. I'm not going to talk about those necessarily. But I think there's also the possibility that male and female brains might be different as well. I'm, uh, I'm going to have some sweeping generalisations in my talk. So I just thought it's really important to, to highlight that because what I don't want anybody to do is get upset when I make sweeping generalisations about men and then the other bit of my talk which is about board games which is probably less sweeping generalisations but I am going to make some sweeping generalisations about men. So I wanted to start with something a bit personal. So I, I think about my parents. I was thinking about collections. My parents both collect things. My mum has a thing about clothes, and she buys clothes all the time, uh, and she wears them. And pretty much every time I see my mum, she's wearing something different, so she collects clothes. My dad, on the other hand, collects cameras. Um, He's got this incredible collection of cameras. They're in boxes, mostly. Uh, They're labelled. They're categorised. They're put away. He's he's got uh, them on a computer, so he knows where they all are. 
he doesn't even use them anymore. I think this is quite an interesting idea. You know, both men and women collect things, but perhaps they collect things for different reasons. So I thought about this idea about collections, and I thought about my own collections. I'm going to have a little kind of confession here. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's really hard getting up on a stage and admitting to doing that. It, it, it's like admitting something really socially bad, you know, like farting in the bath, you know, when somebody else is in the bathroom. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. I started playing when I was about 10. I played it obsessively for about six or seven years, which meant I missed a big chunk of really important time. And then around about the age of 17, 16, 17, I kind of weaned myself off it and discovered something much more interesting, which was girls. But I've always liked games. And as an adult, I kind of rediscovered games, I suppose. So I want to talk a bit about, about that. Board games. Now, not Monopoly, not Cluedo. Um, these, these, are, these are actually quite shit games, really. <laughs> games like Stone Age, in which you're looking after a tribe of Stone Age people, you have to send them out to gather various resources and, and build a civilization. It comes complete with a leather cup that smells really nice. <laughs> uh, Power Grid, this is a German game in which you build a, 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 an infrastructure of power stations across Germany. Um, it has the most fantastic... <laughs> I mean, absolutely fantastic m mechanic in which, um, at the beginning of the game, the, the little wooden cubes that represent coal and oil are really cheap, and uh, the cubes that represent nuclear power fusion and, and recycling are really expensive, but as the game progresses, the resources start to run out, and the coal and oil become really expensive, and there's a really exciting point in the game where you have to tip and invest in better energy because that's becoming cheaper, and uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> Agricola. This is a game of kind of post-plague European farming. This is fantastic. Um, you you have your you have your own little farm. Um, you start off with a with a couple of farmers, a male and female farmer, and a little house. And you have to go off and decide whether you're going to build fields or pastures. And you can kind of invest in all sorts of things. And you can grow a family and build your house bigger and and so on. And then my my current favourite game. And and this is I mean I love this game. Twilight Struggle, this Battle of the Cold War. This is um, a reenactment of the entire Cold War from 1945 to 1989. Uh, one of you plays uh, the Soviet Union, one of you plays um, the United States of America, and it's historically accurate. So you have early year, uh, early war, mid-war, late war cards. You have uh, historical things to play that you can decide that Iran is going to invade Iraq or vice versa. You can change history slightly. Um, and, and you have to kind of concentrate on various areas of the book. It's a brilliant game. Um, it takes about four hours. It's fantastic. Great way to spend an evening. So I, I, I really like these games. I'm really interested in, in these sorts of games. And I started thinking, you know, is there something particularly, particularly male about that? Uh, I wonder if there is something particularly male about that. But, of course, men and women both like playing things. So I thought it'd be interesting to do a little bit of research. Now, as, a, as a, an avid board game nerd, um, I subscribe to a website called Board Game Geek. And I thought it would be kind of interesting to put a thread up on this website and find out why people gamed. So I did. I've got some very interesting results, but I think it's important, first of all, to explain a little bit about Board Game Geek. The people who are using Board Game Geek are 92.4% male. It was amazing. I'm going to put this thread up. Why do you like playing games? And as a man, 
And it, there were hundreds of responses from all over the world. Um, America, Canada, Australia, Israel, Germany, all over the place. People talking about why they play games. And people often talk about the idea of playing games as being about competition. You hear a lot the idea that men are naturally competitive. That it's about this idea of one-upmanship and, and, and winning. Winning's important for men, isn't it? Well, I'm not sure that's entirely true. I think, you know, actually, although guys can be competitive, although men do like to be competitive and compete with one another, I, I don't think it's fair to say that women aren't competitive as well. And in fact, actually, if you've, if you've ever spoken to a woman, um, <laughs> you'll, you'll find that they're really competitive, especially with one another. You know, so actually, it's unfair to say that men might play games because they like to win. I, don't, I think women like to win as well. And actually, I thought about it and I thought, I don't think that's why I play games. And one of the things that came up was this, that it's an excuse, it gives you something to talk about. Um, and a lot of men on this thread were saying, we, we really wouldn't know what else to do with our time. You know, if we're, if we're sitting around a, a game and there's a, there's a kind of, there's a structure to it, it's great because we can actually have a nice time. We don't have to think about things to say. And I think there are lots of examples in our culture of these kinds of social crutches. You know, men like to talk about football. It's an excuse to spend some time with some other guys and give us something to talk about so we don't have to talk about real stuff. And certainly, if I think back to my own experience, I've confessed to of being a Dungeons and Dragons player as a teenager, that's exactly what I was doing. I mean, I was, I was off being a dwarf. But I think one of the things that came out of this thread that I was particularly interested in, and which really, really rang true, was this. I get really, really excited about new games because I like opening the box, and I like seeing all the little pieces. And the things about the games I get into, are, there's lots of little pieces. I mean, I recently invested 80 pounds on a board game um, called Caverna, which was designed by Jure Rosenberg, who's the German designer who designed Agricola. He's one of the world leaders in board games. And Caverna is a game of dwarf farming in an imagined medieval uh, community in which, in which as well as producing uh, your farm, you can choose to mine your mountains for gems and you can, you can, if you want to, go on adventures as well and increase the experience of your dwarf. It's, it's a, a fantastic game. It's got over 700 wooden pieces in it. I mean, it's just board game heaven in terms of open words. The box weighs a ton. It almost needs two people to bring it home from the shop. It's fantastic. So, you know, there's certainly something about all the little pieces and there's certainly something about, about thinking about all those pieces and the mechanics. And it's working out the mechanics of the game. I'm actually not very good at these games. You know, I, I referred to Twilight Struggle, this Battle of the Cold War. Amazingly, I've managed to persuade my 16-year-old daughter to get into this. Originally, it would start as a ruse to say, you're studying this for History GCSE, it'll be great. She loves it because she's really good at it. She beats me every single time. But we play it all the time, and I don't mind about losing because that's not why I'm interested in playing the game. I'm interested in playing the game because I'm interested in the mechanics of the game. And interesting on the thread, so were lots of other people. It is this whole magic of the newness and then working out how things are done. I think people who design games are amazing. How you get something that's gonna interact. You know, I said Twilight Struggle, four hours. I'm entertained for four hours by somebody who's written down a set of rules I've got to follow. And that's a magical thing. So, is there a difference? Is there a difference? Maybe there isn't a difference because I've talked about the idea that my daughter who's 16 wants to play these games as well. But there's a lot of science about this different, this different brain. This is a, this is a science thing on the board and on the top it's kind of a graph so on the top empathizing and on the right systemizing and interestingly when you do tests to check how people's brains work on the whole 
women's brains tend to end up in the blue area, empathising, and men's brains tend to end up in the red area, systemising. But what's really interesting is that people with autism or Asperger's syndrome, whether they're male or female, also tend to end up in the red, systemising. And there's an argument that actually what Asperger's and autism is, is an extreme form of male brain. I think there's a counter-argument then that maybe the extreme form of female brain just hasn't been scientifically diagnosed yet. And at some point in the future, <laughs> at some point in the future, not only will we say these children have autism, we need to teach them in a different way, we'll have these children have something else, and it'll be an extreme female brain. But this is a whole other talk, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> so I want to finish with this. This is Agricola. I referred to it earlier. It's this fantastic Ewan Rosenberg um, game about, about uh, farming. This is what the box looks like when you buy it. And it's really exciting. Lots of cards, lots of wooden pieces, lots of little bits. This is what my Agricola looks like now. Oh. And I, I can tell you that the, if there's anything more satisfying than playing the game, it's putting it back in the fishing tackle box afterwards. Thank you very much. Do we have any questions for Henry? Uh, yeah, I've got a sort of issue with, with your science. Mm. Um, <laughs> I was just wondering... It's borrowed. <laughs> your um, assessment of the Board Geek website. Yeah. How do you know it's actually more educated married men that play board games rather than it's more educated married men that are obsessive about going on websites about it and organising in fishing tackle boxes. No, absolutely. I didn't say it was educated married men that played board games. I said it was educated married men who go on Board Game Geek. I, that, that, was, that, that was the whole point of that bit. I said I'd, I'd used it as, a, as a, an example of where I could go and ask people about why they play games, but then the reason I illustrated it like that is to say it's not scientific because actually it's a very particular kind of person who'll go on that thread in the first place. So I totally agree with you. It's all right. Yeah, Don't throw anything at me. Games, <laughs> um, have any games turned out to be huge disappointments? Oh, you so many. So many games. <laughs> And you've no idea how sad it is when you get excited and you unwrap the shrimp rack from the box and then you look through and you play it once and you go, that's shit, I'm not playing that again. Especially if you, you've you spent 40 or 50 quid on a game and then it's on the shelf and you can't quite bring yourself to get rid of it. It's horrible. Yeah, I bought a game called Sentinels of the Multiverse recently, which is a kind of um, sort of superhero-inspired card deck building thing. It's absolutely pants. Beautifully designed, rubbish game, sitting on the shelf, taking up space. Loads of games like mm. that. Um, I just wondered um, during the during your teenage years were there uh, were there any girls that were sort of going oh I'd like to get involved? I'm really I, glad I, no. that you asked me that because I forgot to I forgot to tell you what a group of gamers is called. Um, there is a you know the whole obsession with collective nouns like a parliament of owls and so on. Does anybody know what the collective noun is for a group of gamers? A celibacy. <laughs> you're, you're not far. You're not far off. It's called a stink. <laughs> 
and I haven't made that up. So a stinker game. Um, no, there weren't. We around about the age of 15, we were, I think we were doing something for charity. It must have been around Live Aid time, and we thought could we play a 24-hour Dungeons and Dragons game, and maybe we'd get some girls playing it if we were doing it for charity, and we did, but they all gave up about 11 o'clock, and we played through the night. Um, it, no, not very many, unfortunately. Um, hi. Um uh, a friend of mine read a book that said that the um, male and female brain is, is different. It, it kind of grows differently in the womb. That at a certain point, the communication part of the brain grows in the female, um, but it doesn't in the male. And the sex part in the male grows, but it doesn't in the female. I think you're right. Um, there's, uh, male and female brains are definitely physically different. Um, females have got two speech centers, and males have got one. And uh, the, average, the average adult male has a vocabulary of about 6,000 words. The average adult female has a vocabulary of about 20,000 words. Um, and the, the, because you have two speech centers in both hemispheres, it means that when you're doing something else, you're able to maintain conversation at the same time. And you see that all the time. If you watch men on a building site, building a wall, they can do a very good job of building a wall until they start talking about what the score is in the football, and then they stop building the wall. Whereas a woman can paint a ceiling, fry an egg, and be on the phone and have another conversation in the room all at the same time because they've got both sides of the brain. And that is nicked, but it's true. Um, have you ever played Dixit? Yes, I have. Now, Dixit. Dixit's a fantastic game. Just to quickly sum this up for people who haven't played Dixit. Dixit is a game where you have a, a set of cards that have very beautiful illustrations on them. And you have to place your... You, somebody comes up with a phrase and you have to place your card in the middle, face down, and you mix them up. And then somebody else has to decide which is the card placed by the person who said the phrase. But if they get it right, they score a point and the person who said the phrase doesn't. So you're having to constantly think about saying something that's not obvious, but at the same time could potentially be you, you and so on. It's brilliant. And there are various variations on it. There are lots of very good games. There's another lovely one called Once Upon a Time, which is literally about building a story through cards. That's fantastic, particularly with small children. Okay, am I, am I done? Henry Ward there. Dungeons and Dragons, did you ever... I tried to join the Dungeons and Dragons Society at my secondary Don't school. Don't tell me they didn't let you in. They wouldn't let me in. <laughs> I wasn't cool enough. <laughs> Eventually, I, I inveigled my way in with some uh, some dodecahedral dice, which they didn't have. So, uh, yeah, I did nice get in move. eventually. Yeah. Nice move. Yeah, I was, I was a smooth move, definitely. I, I played it once. I played it once at my friend Stilly's house. And I remember, I think we'd bunked off school. And we we did have a we had a we had a board and we had some characters and I I don't know what I I remember just being really disappointed with my character I think my character was like a secretary or a postman yeah, yeah probably or a cleric a cleric or a second was, level cleric yes. it was and I just thought with the, with the power of boredom or something <sighs> special skills running away I'm yeah. not I'm not giving up my teenage years for this you know well, you see, it depends all... how your teenage years panned out you see for for a lot of us teenage years. I, I sympathise uh, with that uh, with Henry's position that you know that they're a, a period of mild horror, and if you can spend them in a dungeon with dragons, that's probably preferable to spending them in reality. You know, they're, 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 it is a, a great solace to the uh, 
to the challenged teenage boy, particularly, I think. Um, yeah. The the endless and uh, sort of horrible rejection of girls as they go off with thirty year old plumbers uh, can be can be fended off with games. I do, I do think games are a, are a great solace. I did enjoy the passion with which Henry talks about the details in in the board games. You know, yes. the characters, the things that are carved out of wood, the delight of opening up. And I think there's, there is something. Uh, and they're, they're, they are that. they are innately interesting. I mean, I, I got a game on on uh, f- for my son about building railways in the nineteenth century across Europe. It sounds about as interesting as paint drying, but it becomes an obsessive because it's all about. Uh, acquisition it's it's very male it's about about building a thing yeah. you know and that's the fun of it which brings us on you've got what is this, is this um i well this game was sent to me by henry's wife who wanted rid of it in the house it's called trapezium there's a number of different parts to it we're going to lay out our pieces now uh, first we both have to spin the twizzler hang on right i got i got a beta phi you better spin it there you go. Gangrene. Got, what does that mean? Gangrene means you only play with the green pieces. Uh, better shake the um, the dodecahedral. That's good. Oh, nice. Good. Right. So you get four quantiles. I get I get three quantiles. So let's lay out the quantiles. There we go. That's good. Okay. You- so a risk card. I have to. I have to take a risk card. Right. And it says, categorise the unknown. <laughs> Jesus. Um, you do, no, you do that with the quiffs. The quiffs are just there. Uh, right. So, so how many quiffs do I take? You take an unknown number. That's the point. So oh, I close see. your eyes. So, I, I should, so I'm not yeah. allowed to know. Okay, so I'm not allowed to know how many of these I've got. No, that's right. But then you have to categorise them. <sighs> can, can I phone a friend? How do... Uh, no, that's good. That's good. You've you, you, you've got seven points there. I would leave it at that. Any okay. more you're risking it. Okay. Okay, good. Um, can I move two quantiles? Again? Can I jump your quantiles? You or... can jump them, but not into the third quantile. You can only jump into the second or the first quantile, because otherwise you're creating a double back, and a double back effectively ends the game. Okay. Okay. So well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put two two quantiles there. Right. And I'm going to actually just steal the Twizzler. Is that <laughs> Permitted? <laughs> it's never been played before, but if you want to have a girl this decade, it's probably a good idea. Okay. Um, well, uh, it's. I think it's your move. I, no, you've you've completely stymied me now. Without the Twizzler, I can't. I can't make uh, any quantile moves, and the whole uh, the decahedral, the, the 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 quiffs are out of play. We're at a stalemate, aren't we? Okay. We are right, a put, I'm going to put the Twizzler back in exchange right. for three of your quantiles. Right. And um, there's and three a, quantiles. And a biscuit. Thank you. <laughs> Can I have a bit of your biscuit? All right, go on then. <laughs> By the way, if if, if any if any uh, listeners do have a um, an exciting game that they uh, they want to tell us about, it's we're not, not aware this of. one. Bloody <laughs> confusing this one. Then we you can write into us. Uh, uh, and interestingly, the the oldest board game in existence was. Um, Senate. You're slipping into memory man again, aren't you? Well, you can't help it, can you? Yeah, Even I though just, we haven't had any questions no, through this, I know, this week. No, I know, but I have to... Uh, I have to uh, I, I, it's a compulsion with me. Uh, Senate, over 3,000 years old, in pre-dynastic uh, Egypt. That's where it was popular. And, I, and, I, and the basic essence of the game is... So you're... The, it's still played today, this game. You're the Senate. Mm-hmm. OK, so I'm going to propose a policy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, free health care. Now, it's your move. I block it. There you go. That's the game. Right. I get it. I get yeah. it. That's a good game. Okay. So, um, 
my two quantiles, I'll raise you two quantiles, and I'm going to um, throw in some giblets. Here. Yeah, ah, no, but you've played a buzzock there. That's not a buzzock, that's, that's a, a giblet. No, 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 look at the rules. Oh, God, Jesus, how many pages is this rules? Well, 2,000 pages? Yeah, but that's the truncated what version. Pa- the full rules are online. Jesus Christ. The Auditorium is presented by Dr. Bramwell and Mr. Mountfield and is produced by Andrew Mailing and Dr. Lance Dan. Find out more about us and upcoming live events at oddpodcast.com. To speak at one of our events, or just to say hello, email oddpodcastuk at gmail.com. Tales from the Auditorium regularly feature in Ernest's Journal, a magazine for the curious and adventurous. To pick up a copy, head to earnestjournal.co.uk.